Lovely to see you all. Can you hear me? Am I? Uh, if Ignite would like to leave at this point, they're welcome. Make your way out. I mean, I've looked at the sermon. <laughs> okay. Well, it's nice to see you all this morning. And a welcome, too, to those that are listening online. There might be a few more than normal with the weather as it is. I want this morning to carry on with the theme that we've been looking at, which is uh, just Jesus. And in particular this morning, to look at the just Jesus in the life of Mary, the mother of Jesus. She went through so much, and she spent so much time with the Lord Jesus Christ in a life that changed in her relationship with the Lord. It all began, as you will remember, that rural country, little town of Nazareth. I can imagine that everyone knew everyone else. And a stranger appears. And that was a shock enough. But when he started to speak, wow. She was to have a baby, and she's a virgin. But not just any baby. She was going to bear the Son of God. Try and imagine yourself, mothers in particular, you can perhaps put yourself in that position. Uh, all of us, if somebody said something like that. And so that's where Mary's life with Jesus began. It began be feeling greatly troubled, as we're told, with the questions like, how can this be? However could this happen? But the angel Gabriel has been sent to prepare Mary for the birth that's coming. The Lord knew she'd need some word from him to understand what was going to be happening and that this baby will come. And the angel explained to her, the Holy Spirit will come on you. We're going to put that up, thank you. The Holy Spirit will come on you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. And even right down the years, we still remember this every Christmas. A most astounding thing that God was going to do. But soon, life moved on at a pace. And she, they, her and Joseph were on their way to Bethlehem. And then we know the story of how Jesus was born. So begins this remarkable life of Mary in her relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. This is going to be no walk in the park for Mary. But this is going to be a challenging walk of faith. And after the birth... They come to Jerusalem. This is in accordance with the rules that are laid down in Leviticus chapter 12. And it tells us there that she must come and make a sacrifice. And that's fine. They come into the courts of Jerusalem. But this man, Simeon, is the man that meets them. This godly man, Simeon. And both Joseph and Mary were absolutely flabbergasted. They'd never known anything like this. 
totally stunned as this dear man takes the Lord Jesus in his arms and blesses him. Let's read the words of Simeon. Here they are. They're up there for us. If I can just find it here in my Bible. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was upon him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. And when the parents brought the child Jesus for him to do as the custom of the law required, Simeon took him up in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you... You now dismiss your servant in peace, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for the glory of your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them, and he said to Mary the mother, This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. Just as Gabriel was sent, the angel Gabriel was sent to prepare Mary for this outstanding, miraculous birth, so now Simeon is sent to prepare Mary for her life with Jesus so that she has some idea of what to expect in this life walking with the Lord Jesus Christ. We don't know Simeon's age. We're not told. We're told that he had been waiting for this moment and the years went by as he waited. So we assume that he is an older man. But the Holy Spirit has given him a promise And he's held on to this all through those years that he will see the Messiah before he dies. And he says, For my eyes have seen your salvation. You know, that word salvation that we've got there is a very special word. It's only used five times in the New Testament and it has a very special meaning to it. And we see it used in the epistle to Titus. And I'll read that to you. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people. He's got the whole thought behind it, that the baby that he is looking at is the one who is now bringing salvation to the world. And that is our Lord Jesus Christ. He came to bring salvation so that you and I, by faith, can believe in him and know our sins forgiven and come to know him as our Lord and Savior. That is the wonderful gift of Christmas, to know Jesus Christ as your Savior. And so Mary listens to these words, and she's totally moved by it. And and Simeon just then takes Mary on one side and begins to speak to her to prepare her for what's coming. All the signs and wonders that Jesus will do will be seen by great crowds of people. Some will believe, but many will not. 
and he's preparing Mary for that day. But more than that, Mary must be prepared to see Jesus despised and rejected by men. There will be those who will turn away. She will see the words of the Lord Jesus Christ coming down like a sword that just divides people's hearts. On the one hand, they will be like sheep. On the other, like chaff. Some will be like the sheep. Some will be like the goats. It will divide people. And the prince of this world, the evil one, will have an eye on the Lord Jesus Christ and mark him out as a sign that will be spoken against. And it won't be long before that awful cry that just chills right to the very heart. Crucify him. Crucify him is ringing out in Jerusalem. This is the life of the Lord Jesus. And as Mary was warned, a sword sword will pierce your own soul too. Mary will witness the Lord Jesus Christ, the son that she gave birth to. She will witness him becoming the Lamb of God who offers himself upon the cross for for the forgiveness of our sins. She will see him paying the price that by his wounds we may be healed. John tells us in John 19, verse 25, quite simply this, near the cross stood his mother, Jesus. So so stood his mother, Mary. She stood at the cross and witnessed the sacrifice he made. And all these things we are told that Mary stored up in her heart in chapter 2, verse 19, and again in verse 51, we're told Mary treasured and brought all these things to mind, and all these things lived with her, and she took them with her on her journey of faith in her walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. And it seems to me that there's something there that maybe some of us miss. I do, I think. The way of treasuring up the good things that God does for us and taking them with them taking them with us on our journey of faith, bringing them back to mind and to remember, yes, God has been good to me. And when the dark times come, remember those times, those times we've treasured up. And Mary treasured them up and she took them with her, all of God's goodness. I can only think that the early life in Nazareth with a young baby Jesus growing up into a child must have been one of the most incredible experiences anyone could have known. Because this Lord Jesus Christ, we're told in chapter 2 and verse 40, we have a couple of, thank you, a couple of references there. He grew and became strong, and he was filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was on him. And in verse 51, he was obedient to them, that's Mary and Joseph, And his mother treasured all these things in her heart. And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and the favor of God and man. And so Mary witnesses Jesus coming into manhood. And she's now beginning to relate to the Lord Jesus Christ. And she's having to adjust that relationship. Do you remember that wedding at Canaan? That was a most, it's a fascinating experience to see Mary and the Lord Jesus, the way they interact with each other. You remember the story. There's a dilemma. The wine's run out, and Mary's virtually panicking. She feels so responsible. And what does she do? 
Well, she must do what she got in the habit of doing, turning to the one in her family who had so much wisdom. She turns to the Lord Jesus, and she says to him, when the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, they have no want more wine. But look how Jesus responds. Look how he responds. Woman, why do you involve me? My hour has not yet come. And you think to yourself, what's going on? Well, the one thing we know is that Jesus not only is full of wisdom, but he's full of grace. He would have had a deep affection for his mother. He would have had the greatest of respect for her. So it's not some kind of reproof of his mother. Don't get put off by that term woman. It's not part of our culture. It's like an adult man turning to his mother, a bit of frustration, saying, oh, mother. It's full of affection, perhaps a bit, bit annoyed, but it's, re it's a real kind of love. And that's how Jesus is going, oh, my dear mother. And what is happening? And Mary's got to learn this, and she's learning this at this, this instant. That the priorities of Jesus are different to her priorities. She's concerned about this wine. She wants Jesus with all his wisdom to bring a solution. But Jesus has got his eye on the Father. And you know, the Father has a plan. And for the Lord Jesus Christ, he will spend nights in prayer with his Father. Because there's got to be that coordination. And the Lord Jesus Christ not only wants to do the Father's will, he wants to do it just the right time. So the whole plan works together. You know, you and I come to the Lord in prayer. We've got something on our hearts and minds. It's like the kind of thing Mary's dealing with. It seems a big crisis. And we cry to the Lord and say, will you help me? And there's no answer. What's going on? We've got to learn again that our priorities take second place to his priorities. He does love us. He does care for us. Yes, he does understand the dilemma we're facing, but he's bringing his will into line with our need, and he's working it through. Trust him. Trust him. And so this is how Mary has to learn. She has to learn your will, not mine be done. And so sometimes our prayers do seem to go unanswered. Mary very quickly learns and she backs off. And she comes out with one of the most wonderful phrases that you could ever have to take through your Christian life. You know what it is, don't you? Whatever he says to you, do it. Whatever he says to you, do it. Can anyone else give us a better guide for Christian living than Mary, the mother of God, in that statement. That's it, in a nutshell. Whatever he says, when he speaks to you, just do it. And so Mary moves on with her relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And of course, she doesn't get it right every time. Of course, she doesn't. Just as you and I don't get things right all the time. And do you remember when Jesus was 12 and they went up to Jerusalem? And it must have been a big affair because we understand it went with her family and everybody else's family, all the uncles and aunts and all the friends. Probably half the village went off. 
and they all go up to Jerusalem. And then they're on their way home, and they've been a, they've been a day, and suddenly the penny drops. Jesus is not with them. And Mary and Joseph have to turn around and trudge a day's journey back to Jerusalem. We are told in the Scriptures that um, they went and looked up and down Jerusalem. Now, I don't know what Mary was doing, but she spent three days going up every alley she could find, talking to every shopkeeper she could see. She went everywhere looking for Jesus. And you can imagine as the time was going by, she was thinking, someone's abducted him. He's, he's been killed. He's gone. And the worst was probably on her mind. Those of you who are mothers, have you ever lost a child just for 30 minutes? Did you panic? Well, what do you do after three days? And it was after three days that Mary comes into the temple, we're told, and she sees Jesus speaking with these biblical scholars, and he's quizzing them, and he's uh, as, you know, trying to understand, as the Son of God, understand all that Scriptures have to say. And Luke tells us that Mary said, Son, why have you treated us in this way? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. I've got a funny feeling she didn't say it like that. <laughs> I've got a funny feeling she shrieked it out. I mean, that's what mothers do, don't they? Shrieked it out at him. But look at Jesus' response. He looks up, and he can't understand why his mother is in such a state. He looks up and he says to her, well, didn't you know that I should be about my father's business? Didn't you know that that's what I'd be doing? Mary had lost sight of actually who Jesus was. That was her mistake. She knew that Jesus was her son, but she'd lost sight of the fact that he was the son of God. And as far as Jesus was concerned, in his mind, there shouldn't have been a problem. It shouldn't have been an issue at all. She should have come straight to the temple to see him about the Father's business, understanding the Scriptures. He couldn't believe that she had got herself in this muddle. And you know, that's so often a mistake with you and I. Oh yeah, we're born-again believers. We've trusted in the Lord Jesus. Our sins are forgiven. Yes, we, we rejoice in that. We believe Christ lives in us, but somehow along the line, we've actually forgotten who He is. And we've lapsed back into a way of life in which we're kind of relying more on ourselves than relying on the Lord Jesus Christ. It is uh, epistle to the Galatians. Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20. We find the Apostle Paul he seems to understand this problem because he says this, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. The apostle says, I used to be this kind of person. I used to be this old person. 
with all my arrogance and all my knowledge and all my self-reliance. But he said, I'm changed. I'm now a new creation. I'm now someone who is different. And sometimes you and I, I think, if you're like me, then there are times when we forget exactly who Jesus is and we're in a kind of, I don't know, some kind of identity crisis. Who really am I? Am I this old self that should be relying on myself? Or am I really a child of God, born again, with Christ living in me? Well, we know the answer. It's Christ living in me is the answer. But who is this Christ that lives in me? And perhaps we need sometimes to really have a good talk with ourselves. Because I think it's very easy to get into a kind of mindset that just travels the same route and we end back up relying more on ourselves than on the Lord Jesus Christ. And we've got to break that mindset. And we've got to take a step upwards. And we've got to take a step more towards the Lord Jesus Christ. We've got to realize that if Christ is living in us, then the Christ that lives in us is the Son of God, who is related to the Father in heaven. And God the Father has all the resources that we need for living our life. And from all the resources of the Father, channeled down through the Lord Jesus Christ, dispensed throughout our inner being, the Holy Spirit just gives us the power to live the Christian life and transforms us and makes us a living person. And we know who Jesus is and our whole Christian lives are totally transformed. And sometimes in our Christian lives, we have to come face to face with this reality that we are not living as we should do because we haven't got Christ in our lives as we should have. We've wandered. We've lost sight of Jesus. You know, as Mary had to learn about the Lord Jesus, so must we. Oh, we can know that our sins are forgiven, but do we know the Lord Jesus as a living presence with us? And that's something absolutely wonderful. And when we know and experience the power of God coming from the Father through the Lord Jesus and spread into our inner being, it gives us spiritual strength. And we're rising up. And we can resist the temptations that before we couldn't. Now we have the authority to kick the devil out of our lives and have nothing to do with him, whereas before we just collapsed. But more than that, we have the strength to get up and to begin to explore the love of Jesus, the love of God, and begin to understand more and more how much the Lord has loved us. And as we begin with the strength that we receive from the Spirit of God, as we begin to explore God's love for us, we begin to discover how rich and wonderful it is. We begin to see that times when perhaps we might be going through hardship and difficulty and times of, of grief and sorrow, but in the love of Christ, we find a peace right down in our hearts that's come from the Lord, the peace of God that reigns in our hearts because we're walking close with Him. We find His love just enveloping us, carrying us through even those times of difficulty and hardship. And those times when we feel 
Am I a Christian or an anti? When the doubts start coming in, in the immense love of Christ, all those doubts are thrown away. And I can be so confident that I belong to Jesus. And there's nothing in heaven or earth, nothing will separate me from the love of Christ that's in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing can separate us. And to come to that point that we're so deeply into the love of Christ, that we're confident that we belong to Him, that all doubts have gone. That's the experience of the Christian who has that spiritual strength to walk with the Lord Jesus. And when you're living a life and things are very hard, there's very few rays of sunlight coming into your life. The difficulties seem so hard, and it seems such an awful experience you're going through. You then find that in the love of Christ, there's a joy, a joy that carries you through. And the whispering from the Father saying, I will never leave you, and I'm going to walk through this with you. And that's the Christian life. That's what it means to live the Christian life. That's what it means to live with the Lord Jesus Christ in this way. To know that peace, to know that assurance, to know that joy, to know Him. To have our eyes fixed on Jesus. To put Jesus at the very forefront of our lives. Make Him our priority. Number one in our lives. And let nothing come between us. Let nothing interfere and discover all the riches that the Father has in His home in glory. And He's saying, they're all for you, child. They're all for you. You know, after the cross, we don't read anything more of Mary in the Gospels. The last thing we hear of her is standing at the foot of Calvary. And it would seem a shame if that's where the story ended, so I'm rather glad it isn't. Because there is a further reference to our to Mary in the Acts of the Apostles. And now we're at a time when Jesus Christ has risen from the dead and ascended to glory. We're not told that Jesus actually met with his mother, but I've got a funny feeling he would have done. But we don't know. But now we read in Acts chapter 1 and verse 13. When they arrived, these are the disciples, they're coming to the upper room because Jesus had told them, Go and wait in the upper room because I've got a gift from the Father I'm going to send you. So they arrived. And when they went upstairs to the room where they were staying, those present were, and this is like a photo shoot. You remember those photo shoots you get where you get a row of people at the front, then behind you you get a row standing, you can see all their faces, and then right at the end you get the little faces just sitting above the shoulders of the people. You can't see a lot of them. And sometimes when you look at these lists in, in Scripture, you miss the ones right at the very end. I wonder if you've ever read this before and seen what's at the end of this verse. Anyway, when they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying. Those present were Peter, John, James, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, all in the front row there. You can see them. Then there was Bartholomew and Matthew and James the son of Alphaeus and Simon the zealot and Judas and James. And they all joined together constantly a prayer, in prayer, together with the women. Now look at this at the end of the verse. And I think this is thrilling. I think it's a wonderful picture. Along with all the women and Mary, 
the mother of Jesus and his brothers. What a picture. What a wonder. In the upper room, waiting for the gift that God was going to send, that Jesus said he would send from the Father. The Pentecostal spirit is about to come. And as Mary is waiting there in that upper room, I wonder if her mind went back. Whether she looked back over her, over her journey, whether she looked back to that time in Nazareth when the angel Gabriel appeared and remembered how she reacted and the, and the shock of it all, and whether she would remember godly Simeon and the promise that he passed on to her from the Lord, preparing her for her life with the Lord Jesus. And as she recalls all these events, the ministry of Jesus and the reaction of the people, she remember that horror, harrowing time when she stood at the cross of Jesus. And now more recently, reflecting on the resurrection and ascension of Jesus into glory. And she's got all of that on her mind, waiting, waiting for this Spirit to come. And when He comes, He changes everything. She witnesses the Spirit of God coming upon those disciples and He's seeing them totally transformed. She sees from her own eyes how the power of God's Spirit makes those men from weak, ineffective people into powerful ambassadors of Christ. They're so transformed. And for Mary herself, she enters a new relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. She now knows Christ in her heart. And she walks with Jesus with her every day, just as every believer does. Just as every believer right across the world, this is the miracle. You and I can know Christ in our hearts. We can talk to Him. So can people the other side of the globe. They too can know Jesus in the self-same way. And it's a wonderful thing that God has done there. And so she sees all of that happening. My friends, whatever difficulties we face in life, whatever challenges we're going to have, we can be strengthened by His Spirit, strengthened in our inner being, that through Christ we know the love of God in us and know that He is with us every step of the way, not in our own strength, but in Christ who lives in me. Let's just close in a prayer. And I just want to make the verses of Ephesians 3 a prayer for you and I. You know the verses, I begin them, you'll recognize them, but I'm going to make them personal for each of us as we just come to a close. Father, we pray that out of your glorious riches, you may strengthen us with power through your Spirit in our inner being, so that Christ may dwell in our hearts through faith. And we pray that us being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people, all of those around us. Let's pray for them as well as ourselves that we may be able to grasp, to get hold of, to know how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that we may be filled 
to the measure of all the fullness of God.